You are listening to episode four of the Edge and Flow podcast. Before this episode starts, I wanted to give you a quick heads up. We've been testing different forms of audio equipment with varying levels of portability. This episode was recorded with myself, TJ, using a different microphone style than what Burnley was using. There's a small discrepancy between the audio qualities. We are aware of this, and we just wanted to give you a heads up before you listen. Hope you enjoy. Thank you. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Lucas Burnley here with my co-host, TJ Schwartz, and you're listening to the Edge and Flow podcast. How's it going, TJ? Oh, I'm doing great. <laughs> Before <laughs> the podcast, we were, just, we were just talking about catching up on sleep. It's uh, it's the, the days following Blade Show 2022, and uh, to anyone who's been there, they know it can, it can take the energy out of you. It can put energy in you, but it, for, in my case, I, uh, I probably didn't get enough sleep. Yeah, you, you tend to run it pretty hard. I mean, it's essentially a family reunion with business involved. Right. I mean, so you're you're kind of spacing like business meetings and interviews and conversations with like copious amounts of beer and too much food. Well, especially this show, because at this show, 2022, I mean, last year they did have Blade Show. I didn't make it, and a lot of people I think didn't make it last year. Yeah, it was kind of either. kind of a half-hearted show, and then 2020 obviously was canceled. So it's like for a lot of people, it's the first time back, and myself included, people that have been going for you know a decade straight consecutively, and then missed two years in a row. And so for me, it, I got to see people that I would normally expect to see multiple times a year that I haven't seen for a couple of years. So it kind yeah, of 2019 was the last one for me, and before mm-hmm. that, I think I'd gone 15 years straight. Yeah, it, it really ramped up the kind of uh, family reunion feel, you know, yeah. to, to to catch up and see how people are doing with the craziness. And I, I loved it, man. It, it it was it was an important show, important Blade show for me compared to many others. It felt good to be back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I well, was. I, I think I was. Might even been telling you, like, I went in. Uh, I went in on Thursday to help a friend set up a booth and the smell of the carpet like instantly triggered like this wave of memories. It's like entering the Coliseum or something, you know? Yeah. No kidding. So funny. Yeah. I think for me, it was like when I I was trying to decide, I, I didn't have a booth. You didn't have a booth at this show. And for me, it was, I've been really busy in the shop. And so a part of me was like, well, if I don't have anything to sell, is it that important for me to go? And then once I got there, it was immediate. I started talking to you, started talking to some other friends there. And I was like, it clicked at that point, how long it really had been since I've seen you guys and all the people there. And it was like, it became invaluable and I I wouldn't have done it any other way. You know, it's like, I can't imagine having not gone at this point. Yeah. I, I completely feel the same way. And on the flip side, I also did not have a table mm-hmm. um, or a booth. It's the first time I've ever done that. You have a little more muscle memory in like going to Blade Show or any trade show and just kind of like lone wolfing it and, and visiting with people. Mm-hmm. At the outset, like same, like kind of leaving the shop, I was like, man, I have so much work to do. Do I do this? Like, do I go? Um, and as with a lot of larger decisions maddie was in in my head and she just was like this is ridiculous like go see your friends you haven't been to a blade in three years like just go she actually went so far i tried to like bring like a little bit of product for like giveaways and just like to connect and she she like shut me down she was like absolutely not no product you're just going by yourself to like hang out and just soak it in yeah just soak it in yeah and it it it's such a unique show. I mean, cause like with, there was some curiosity with me. I know with a lot of people that like, how would the show weather these last two years? Like, would it, would it return to its original form? You know, cause with, with shows like shot show, I think they have been damaged potentially almost irreparably by the whole pandemic thing. Cause it's like you go to shot show or at least uh, the accounts I've heard after the, after things open back up is that a lot of people realize like, maybe they didn't have to from a, from a business standpoint, maybe there's a different sure. way to do it. And I think a lot of people just didn't go back and and then blade show. I think there was a suspicion that maybe that would happen, that it would like have a permanent damage effect. But from my estimation, that was not true. It was, 
it was, I think a lot of people see it as this social event and it's something that's irreplaceable. I think it rebounded. Yeah, it's a different, it's a different vibe. I, you know, I've thought a lot about trade shows over the last couple of years and I almost don't know if I would use damaged as kind of the descriptor, Right. but it's, I, I think it created space in an area where people had been doing just the same routine by default for so long that when you took a step back, it kind of forced you to look at like, Hey, like, Oh man, like what if that wasn't an option or like, where could my resource or resources be better allocated? Yeah. That on an individual maker level is one thing, but if you scale that to like a massive company, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just kind of looked at it and were like, okay, like maybe we figure out a different way to move forward. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I think there's probably smaller businesses, different businesses that like fill in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Just a shuffling of the deck. Yeah. It's a shuffling of the deck, which I think is easy to look at it and see like, you know, like SIG wasn't a shot show. So like there's a, there's an absence of essentially a two-story apartment building. Yeah. Right. Right. That's wild. Blade did not feel like that at all. No, no, it was, it was every bit as, as <laughs> bustling as I can remember it in some of its peak years before, you know, so yeah, I was super was, happy was to good. see that it, it made me feel really good. So, so that kind of brings us into a little bit of a like state of the industry sort of conversation. So like, how did you feel about walking through the show as far as like just the knife industry? You know, it was, it was really nice. So normally I'm, I'm at a booth. Um, Mm -hmm. and for the time that I'm at the booth, it also just requires a lot of like prep time ahead of time and on the tail end. So even if I do get that time to kind of like, you know, walk the floor, it's, it's kind of broken up in a way that I can't really connect. So this is something I want to actually come back around to, which is like how to create value going to a show without a booth. Mm Um, you have a lot more experience with that than I do. Um, but to answer your question, so basically I walked the entire floor. Mm -hmm. This is the first time I think I've ever done that aisle to aisle, corner to corner. Mm -hmm. Um, it was really cool, man. One, you have the, the new room, right? Which Mm -hmm. is a smaller room. I've been calling it the annex. Yeah. The annex. Right. So Maybe newer makers, they get a table at Blade, they go into that small room first. I think people were kind of bummed about that initially. But once mm-hmm. when you go in that room, it just feels like a completely self-contained, like viable knife show. Yeah. It's and, awesome. And for people who haven't been to Blade, maybe we should talk about the scale we're talking about. So like yeah. for the... It, for the, I, I know I ran into a, a friend of mine that was his first time at Blade Show. And we, I ran into him in the small room and he had just walked in the door and I said, "Hey, have you seen the have you seen the big room yet?" And he actually didn't know that that was not the big room, the small room. Because right? arguably, it is a large yeah, room. Right, it is and not so like the, a small yeah. small rooms. What I mean, it's like the size of a football field, like the small room. You know what I mean? Or not? Yeah, quite, I mean, it would it would still put it on a larger like any of like the regional shows. Yeah, I would say that room is probably comparable in size. Yeah, right, right. right? So. Um, so yeah, that, that was really interesting. What was cool there is you see newer makers. Um, one thing that I picked up right away was, man, there's, there are a ton of people working in like the kitchen knife sphere. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I don't want to say new makers because like the work was super high quality. I just saw more of it than I've ever mm-hmm. seen before, specifically at Blade Show. Right. Um, and then main room, same thing. Like, it's the main room is kind of broken up and you have on the left-hand side, you kind of have your bigger companies for the most part and around the perimeter, right? Mm-hmm. All the big booths. So you've got, you know, your pro and pokers and CRKTs and Kershaw's kind of lined up around mm-hmm. left side is some of like the industrial suppliers mixed in with makers. And then like two thirds of the, the big hall is, is like your customs straight down the center Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the right side, you have the ABS section yeah, for forge guys as a lot of kind of the forge it. guys yeah. and you've got all your grinders. So really it's, it's a great place to go to like take the tempo. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and it yeah, was, man. the tempo was high. 
I it was popping. My my general feel of like the strength of the industry was that it is every bit as strong as I've ever seen it. And the in one decade I've been in the industry, it's it's never been more than this. I would say, yeah. As far as, the, as far as demand and just interest and you know excitement and all that. Yeah, I, I'd be curious to hear some like actual numbers, but looking at the lines, um, I mean, people started lining up Wednesday night camping mm-hmm. out, like basically tailgating in the line, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's funny. Like you'll hear people say like, that's ridiculous. Like, why would you ever sleep outside in the line? You only have to do it once to realize that it's, that it is like basically camping with like a super stoked group of like very genuine kind people. Right. Like people are bringing beer, people are cooking. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like a good time. It's like its own little social event right yeah. there. And, you know, and I've never been to one, but it has a little bit of like a, like a comic con kind of feel to it of like, of enthusiasm because a business to business show, like uh, I keep bringing up shot show, but there are many others shows where it's like you're employed and you are hired to go to the show and you probably are an enthusiast, but you're, this is your job. Right. Whereas a blade show, the people walking in, I mean, they went to great lengths to be there. You know, they're there on their own accord. I mean, this is, this is their vacation, you know? So it's like the enthusiasm level is high. And like when you, you see them interacting and you interact with them, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's just, it's just a group of people that are really serious, you know, and then know, know the industry. So yeah, we we talk about this a lot, right. Which is like, what makes, what makes the knife industry different it's a passion led industry and the passion kind of ripples all the way through kind of, you know, the core of it, which is from customer level all the way up to company level. Mm-hmm. And that's a yeah. rarity, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's Man, excellent. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll get into like some specific takeaways, but, but yeah, I mean, any, any kind of things at the outset that you felt were different or the same, or they have uh, Chick-fil-A now, which is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I, like I got some in the hallway. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It used to be, I'd eat like six Subway sandwiches in a weekend cause they always had yeah. the main uh, Subway. And then now, yeah, Chick-fil-A popped up and uh, I think there was another one, like Papa John's was it? Papa John's, Pizza. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was cool. But uh, one of the big takeaways for me was the genre of ballad songs. You and I have talked about that a lot. Yeah, they it that is awesome. It's, it's been there a while. It's it's it's. I've seen the ballad song scene grow, and but yeah, this year, new. this year, it really was. It was there. You know, it was a present force in the room that I yeah. I didn't notice to that degree before. I mean, super the youthfulness super exciting. I mean, yeah, some of the youngest collectors in the show. Um, what I love about the ballet song market is that ballet songs are interactive. Mm-hmm. Right. So like a lot of the work that I'm building, higher end folders, stuff like that, there's joy in it, but I know that it's going to go for the most part and get set in a safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Ballet songs are different because you'll have like a 15 year old kid running like a $2,000 ballet song, flipping it and dropping it and just being completely okay with it and enjoying it and like hanging out with like their friends. It's to me, it's like, the all the best things of the knife industry mm-hmm. yeah i want it's, to see more of it. it yeah it's got almost like a sport feel to it which it, it literally is which it totally does yeah, yeah blade hq puts on the like a ballet song comp mm-hmm. um at blade show which is super super fun the mm-hmm. other thing that i really liked about it is it's a it's a diverse group like mm-hmm. And that's, I want to see for our industry, man. I want yeah. more diversity. I want to see younger people coming into it. Yeah. Like it, and it, it was really nice, like inclusive. Yeah. And, the, and there's the blade show. It, it had a feel to it that was really exciting. And that like, you look to one side of the room and you've got, you know, a total cowboy type with, you know, a tooled leather sheath, you know, like one uh, type of, of scene. And then you've got like almost like a punk type of scene. And then you've got a, like a really youthful, inclusive type of scene, like with the ballad songs and, and yeah. just across the board, like it's just becoming a colorful industry. I, I, it always has been, I think, but Blade Show particularly is is evolving. It's this cool. was this was needed. It was cool, too. So like just to give like a couple shout outs. So um, I noticed like the Squid Industries booth was like a community hub. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is amazing, man. Like that's the that's the goal, right? Like that's what. I feel like for our collector base, 
kind of Burnley brand is a lot of times, like people are coming in and out, like you're seeing people, you know, people were going to the squid booth and just hanging out, flipping ballet songs and like mm. visiting. Yeah. Um, Jerry Hom designs was there. Um, rad ballet songs. Like just, it's just cool. Like, again, this is nothing new. And I'm sure some people will listen to this and be like, like, yeah, we already knew that. But mm. there was a, there was a noticeable uptick. Yeah. From and previous it's, years. it's funny because one of my, so Chris Reeve, I, I live like, I don't know, less than an hour. And I used to live like a few minutes from Chris Reeve's factory in Boise. And Chris, I've, I actually, I just, for whatever reason, it was like, he was, he was leaving the industry himself, like personally about the time that I was coming in and I got to hear about him, but I, I didn't meet him. And then in, at the 2015 blade show, I believe it was, is when he was inducted into the hall of fame for, uh, at the blade show awards. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I really met him and got to spend time with him was at that blade show. And, uh, that was sort of, at least from my narrow view, like it was some of the early days of the ballast songs appearing in, in numbers at blade show yeah, in mass. Yeah. And, and, uh, and just <laughs> Chris Reeve is uh, anybody that knows him, he's, you know, a thick South African accent, you know, and he's just like talking about all the ballast song people and in, in a loving way. I mean, he, he wasn't sure. dissing on him, but it, yeah. that's like, I associate the ballast song scene with like seeing it contrasted to the Chris Reeve, like him noticing it and me seeing him notice it. That's like, it was right. pretty cool. Yeah. It's interesting how different people process kind of what they're seeing, like mm-hmm. having come in the industry at a younger age and, and doing certain things like differently than the standard. Like I've kind of, I've gotten used to that, like that, like kind of like uh, punk kid, like this mm-hmm. is a fad, like enjoy it while it lasts mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of that kind of like people are like, all these kids like sitting on the floor flipping ballet songs yeah. you know yeah. man i have i absolutely love it it like it made the show better for me yeah it did so. it, it, yeah and and the other thing is like any industry anybody's in you want to see young people because right. if you don't if you don't see young people in the room with whatever you're doing that's bad it's yeah. not good you know what i mean that's and on so, the maker side and collector yeah, side that's exactly. in the companies like when when the companies start to just age out i think is when innovation stops happening yeah um as a custom maker i i feel it really close because it's super easy to hit a point where you essentially satisfy the same collectors yep um i've always kind of tried to switch it up and luckily you know i'm a little add and so some of it is intended and some of it is just like accidental fortune Mm -hmm. um but yeah yeah i'm excited man so uh, you and I spent a lot of time together at the show. We were we were pounding around quite a bit. So we ended up before the show having a having a good time. You want to tell them what we were up oh, to? Yeah. <laughs> this is this is officially the best start to a blade show or any trade show I've ever been at. And honestly, I I hope it happens again. It was so good. So uh, yeah, we get into we get into Atlanta. Um, I got in Wednesday night. You got in Thursday. And I get this like random invitation, right? Like Miguel from Boca, I get a, a text message. like, hey, are you good at soccer? I was like, absolutely not. I have never played soccer in my entire life. Um, but I was intrigued. And I was like, I mean, I'm going to come. Whatever it is, like, let me yeah, know. Right. So long story long, Boker and Blade HQ – had arranged a soccer game at an indoor field in Atlanta. Um, And it was awesome, man. Yeah, you and I both ended up going and we both ended up playing. Um, And and just to like flesh this out, we're talking like pickup soccer like imagine like street basketball but soccer version where it's like guys with like t-shirts and long pants and like kicking off your sandals and like borrowing shoes to get on the, on the field. It was like, just totally right. Just, uh, you know, off the street. Yeah, I, bar- I borrowed Miguel's shoes cause I was wearing jeans and yeah. boots. Yeah. Um, man, what, it was so much fun though. And I think it's, it's just a great example of kind of the, that, that family reunion kind of quality of, of blade where you see mm-hmm. it, but it was, man, it like, it just alleviated the pressure. Like mm-hmm. you go play soccer for two hours. Um, 
suck in some humidity suck in some humidity yeah uh and a whole lot of air um yeah, yeah man that was that was a yeah. blast and then we then we all went out and had barbecue yeah no so. it was a it was a perfect start because <laughs> yeah in, in blade show years past I've, I've often flown in like just barely in time to either get to the show or like the night before and hit the hay and then yeah you're kind of you're rubbing your eyes hitting the show trying to get things started but going and exerting yourself. I, I, I mean, there's something about it, especially with other industry people like totally. really exerting. I mean, I, I was, I'm not in great shape right now. And so I was like out there <laughs> huffing and puffing and just, I didn't know anything about soccer. So I'm like, I don't know yeah, how to learn it on the fly. You're supposed to like stay home and, and cover certain areas <laughs> or whatever. And I, I'm just running as far, like all the way to one end, all the way to the other. <laughs> and, uh, Miguel, yeah, he's, really really good at soccer really well for for really. those of you guys that don't know too so this is this is boker this is the team from from soling in germany mm-hmm. miguel just so happens to be like a semi-pro soccer player like he he draws a salary playing soccer right um tony tony who is from boker us was the one who actually set up the game man tony ripped he's mm-hmm. he's an older cat play soccer three times a week so mm-hmm. he's super competitive yeah like and he can yeah. move dude he was just like yeah. flying around <laughs> i know yeah. miguel had to like pull him off the field at one point because he's like you need a break like yeah. you don't want to do it yeah and then and- blade hq same thing like mix you've got like a few people that are that are have definitely played soccer in the past mm-hmm. it was it was a great mix well, people are going to ask who the winner was. And all I know is it was like three to four, four to five, three to somewhere in there. Right and in then, there, yeah. and then they'll like, it seems like the score stopped being kept at some point. Yeah. And Miguel so it's was like playing barefoot. Like, yeah. So it became gray area at, at some point. So no one knows who won. Um, maybe someone does and they're just not saying it, but probably not saying it, it was open-ended, but it yeah. was a good, like what hour and a half plus on the turf. Was, and we were, I think we were out there two hours or something yeah. like that. I mean, it yeah. was, Man, super fun. Um, You know, okay, so that brings us to a couple other things, right? Um, Like I said early on, this is the first time I've gone to Blade Show without having a table. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to dive into some thought process behind, like, where's the value in a show if you're you're a maker, but you're not going to display, right? Mm -hmm. Or like present your work. Right. Um, you have way more experience with this than I do, um, because you came in on the design side and you were going to shows. Why don't you Why don't you kind of start off some of the ways you make it valuable? Yeah. So I tell everyone, and you may have heard this in another podcast we did a previous episode, but I tell everyone who wants to get started in the industry for to approach it the way I did, whereas you really want to be a designer at some point, whether it starts that way or you start as a maker. Either way. I think the trade shows are like the number one top of the list item that I tell people to do, even if you have yet to make a knife or whatever. I mean, it's the one place you can soak in a lot of information. It's the one place you can network better than anywhere else. In At Blade Show, you can walk up to uh, during the show or after the show when uh, down in what's called the pit. It's uh, part of the hotel and like uh, center complex where you can go and socialize with all the industry guys like you can walk up to the owner of Boker. You can walk up to the owner of CRKT. You can walk up to the owner of Spyderco. Like you'll right. see them all within 10, 20 feet of each other, you know? In a um, context that it's approachable. Yeah. yeah. You know what I and, mean? Like you can, there's bars down there. There, you know, there's like craft beer tents and stuff. Mm-hmm. Easiest thing you can do is to grab a beer and like walk up to someone, hand them a beer and introduce yourself. Like, yeah, it's that easy. And the, and the, yeah, the networking, networking is how, is how is how I approached my whole startup. You know, when I was trying to start my company, that's all it was 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 networking, and it, it took a while before I even like started making knives. That that was a subsequent thing, but I was able to design. Ended up designing for companies like CRKT strictly through networking. You know, so strictly through uh, just being at the shows. And an example would be like if you have access to three D printing in some way, or if you can draw on a sketch pad, like just you don't have to shove it in people's face, but like people are going to ask you what you're carrying. People are asking you what you do, you know, having a little something to show for who you are, what you're about. Um, you know, like that, I believe it was, uh, one of the earliest blade shows. I think I was carrying around like a 3d print of an idea that I had. And yeah, it didn't, it took a while for it to go anywhere, but like just to start getting your name associated with something that you're good at, uh, is, is so important. And like I said, the FaceTime 
with the right people and, and with everybody in general, but like the people that you run into, you don't know if they could eventually be like one of your strongest business associates. You just don't know. And the FaceTime is what builds that and opportunities just abound, you know? Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, what you kind of keyed on about bringing something mm-hmm. regardless. So if you're a collector, you bring a piece that you're interested in. That's a talking point yeah. to meet other collectors or to meet makers. Yeah. Like yeah. super easy in, right? If you're a maker, even if you're only sketching, if you sit down at a table or like start talking to people, you might be able to get some help with a design problem mm-hmm. that you're working on. I know a lot of people that have come and brought like an unfinished prototype and mm-hmm. ended up like meeting a collector that's like been with them for years, you know, like their first mm-hmm. orders were like, oh, that's really cool. When you finish one, I want it. Yeah. It is, it's networking on, I think the most enjoyable organic level, which is like mm-hmm. the, like the antithesis of like a card handing, you know, suited up networking mm-hmm. event. Yeah. And, and one thing I can recommend too, if, if this is a route that you take and you end up at Blade Show is that there are so many people in the room who not only can be business associates, but also friends in such a way that it's like meet everyone where they are and just talk to people. And like, it's just amazing what comes out of the woodwork when you start a conversation. There's a lot of humble people that like you could talk to them. And if you don't really dive and ask what they're about, what they're into, like you might not realize that you just spoke with, uh, you know, the owner of a company for 30 minutes and they didn't even mention it. You know what I mean? So it's like getting to know people, you know, involves, you know, just becoming friends, but also, you know, asking questions. That's really the bottom line is like, getting an understanding of, of the social network of knives, you know? Right. And, uh, once you start to understand that, then you, you, it just is invaluable and you can never do that on social media. Like I built part of my brand on social media. That's part of how I got started. But the blade, the blade show and shot show type situations were paramount. That was everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then for you, we'll pivot it to you. So like you, like you said, have been to, you know, more than a decade worth of these blade shows and, just to clarify, I've never had a table or a booth and you all but this year, every year have had one. So yes. talk to me about the booth side or table so, side. It's interesting, man. There's like two ways to look at it. So from the table and booth side, essentially what I've always tried to do is spend time with people. So the value, like I can stay at home and sell knives, right? I don't need to go to a show to spend money to do that. So we've always tried to make it as fun for people at our table and booth as possible. Um, I realize that may vary depending on like the show, the show year and like right. how long you stand in line and whether you get skunked or not. But like we try to make it approachable, right? Like we do lotteries, auctions, we do giveaways, like all kinds of fun stuff. So I really struggled with the idea of like just going and being present and walking the show. Um, but that's what I realized the value was, was to be present. Um, I noticed that kind of throughout the weekend, I had more meaningful interactions with people than almost any year before, because usually you're running, you're running, like you're just running. Like I always Mm -hmm. talk about the game of knife. So for years I would go to blade show and my goal was to be kind of as occupied and hustled as possible. If Mm. I wasn't at the booth, I wanted to be at a meeting. If I wasn't in a meeting, I wanted to be at a dinner, like just really working kind of the industry corners. Mm -hmm. And this year it was all organic. I, I think the number one thing that created value for me was that I, over the weekend, I probably spent maybe five to 10 minutes more on average in a conversation than I ever would have before. Mm -hmm. Um, you had kind of touched on the pit. Normally I get out of the show, I'll spend a few minutes in the pit, like maybe a half an hour. I think both nights I was down there till about one o'clock in the morning and just really hanging out with people. Mm -hmm. Um, Saturday night was, was super, super fun. Um, if you're hanging out in the pit, be sure to drink water. Yeah. Um, (laughs) right. It's, it's really fun. And if moonshine gets passed around, like be careful. Because yeah. that's usually later in the evening and that's yeah. when you probably don't need some shine. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing, I guess, 
is there's always a way to create value for attendees. Um, I was lucky enough this year, Tom Krein always teaches a blade grinding class. I've like co-hosted with him a few times. And this year I was able to do it the last few years because of how busy our booth is. I haven't been able to, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's 90 minutes of just hanging out with people, grinding blades. I stayed up probably about half an hour after the class was over. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a really nice way to connect, you know? Yeah. Uh, So one observation I had, because you and I, we've, you know, interacted at at Blade Show and SHOT Show and all this like frequently, but we've never spent like a a lot of time together, like what we did this time with having started the podcast and stuff. But I observed something I want to see if if it resonates with you. So I, having not been at a booth or table ever necessarily, I, I take it back one time I, at Millet, knives uh i was i designed for them for a period of time and there was one time where i spent some time in their booth but with basically behind the booth showing the knives that i designed for them but not it was minimal it wasn't it wasn't a full effort but it seemed like watching your and my interaction it's that it seemed to me that what i've built in those years of networking is a really strong robust relationship with most industry guys so people that own companies people that are designers people that are makers that i that i look up to and stuff and so i I felt like in situations like in the pit i could go around and talk to dozens and dozens of people that basically all were industry professionals right but what i found is especially watching you is like i feel like i don't have a lot of facetime with customers and collectors and i don't i thought about it a lot watching you and i was like you it's because if we went into a group of collectors, everyone knew you, you know, everyone knows Lucas right. Burnley with the table, the booth, and they're all asking like, Oh, you're not here this year and stuff. And for me, it was different because it was like, I'm not expected to be face, you know, present and facing customers at the show. Right. And so I, it, it occurred to me, I was like, I've been focusing on one specific facet and getting good at it in my opinion, but missing another facet. And so in the future, I'd really like to have a booth because facing the customer at a show like that is huge. Um, and I don't think it's very doable without a booth or a table. I really don't. Cause you can talk to people in the pit, but you can't, you can't get that ball started. I think without a booth or a table. Right. And I mean, this is, this is the kind of thing where you're talking like we walk into the hotel and like people start saying hi. Yeah, exactly. And you don't walk across a room without seeing someone that you know. Yeah. In the company sphere, like that totally exists for you. I would I would actually make the argument that part of the difference is actually just going to be your own product. So right now, like mm-hmm. you're making a super rad knife. You've got more coming online. People are going to be able to access those online. FaceTime online translates into FaceTime at shows. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not as direct. Like we, it was really nice. I think the first day we were there, um, we had like an older guy coming and grab me. His name's Jerry. He bought a, two Quikens from me over the years, like probably about as early on as I was doing blade show. Mm-hmm. He's never seen me online. Probably mm-hmm. those connections, like that is the reason for a show. Yeah. Um, but, but I, to like, I don't know, flip flop on my, my, like, analogy there i think the online will fuel that awareness right and like those relationships because the people i met i met two guys this show that i um well maybe tom medvich um notorious edc i think maybe i'd met him in new york one year and then um sam raven the pirate yeah from germany we had like we're friends we mm. had just never met in person right yeah. Right. But like Sam came up to me because he saw my face and recognized me. And then it, it was great. So it's a it's all a balance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For but sure. the show, the show thing for on a base level of having a table, it's not about the money. It's completely about the relationships. Yeah. Oh, I'd agree. And and I'm looking at it the same way of like I'm fortunate to be in a position where I'm trying to keep up with orders that are online with my knives yeah. that I'm making myself. And like um, sort of the way you described it earlier, it's like when you going to a blade show, it's like I have to hold knives back from selling them online to take them to the show. 
And so there is that mentality of like, well, then I'm going to have, it's going to cost me money to sell the knives that I otherwise could sell. So it's easy to get in an overly logical situation where you think that that just based on math that you shouldn't do it. But I'm in a position now uh, where like what you just said, the facing of the customer in person, shaking hands, showing people knives, conversing about that knife, you know, making the effort with the customer is incredibly valuable. And it's something that I, I've been lacking and to, to, uh, to agree with what you said, part of it is I haven't had my own product. So everything I've done up until about two years ago, and then a little bit before that, sometimes everything that was available of mine was a design, was right. a collaboration. And so people buy from a company knowing maybe that I'm the designer. And that was one thing I noticed at the show is I felt like my, my name was more known than my face because people hear names with collaborations, but they don't buy it from you. They don't see your face. They, they're totally. interacting with a, a middleman. You know what I mean? Yeah. I saw a few thing a few times where that happened to you, where people would like introduce themselves and ask what you do. And as soon as you told them what you do, they, they were like, Oh man, that's crazy. Right. Oh, I love your work. Like there's instant recognition. It's just not like overall awareness. Yeah. Well, yeah. Face to work connection, yeah. <laughs> you know, so like, balance. That, that's the goal, right? That's my next project. Yeah. <laughs> you should just send out a sticker with your face in every yeah. box. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were joking. We were joking and talking about like at the show, like ha- having like a signature look. Right. You know, because I realized I, I walked in, I had a camo hat on and like a like a I don't know some kind of earth tone shirt, and I was like, shoot, right. I'm, I'm blending in quite a bit, which you're, is fine. You're a blade show gray man, yeah, you're which like, is which is fine. But I was like, oh, he's about six feet tall. He's got some facial hair. Uh, yeah. He's wearing camo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, because you look for Ken Onion and you see like, where's that black hat? You know, like yeah, almost crocodile Dundee looking guy, yeah. and yeah. and you're like, oh, there he is. You can see yeah. him from like a hundred yards away, and it's like, I need to, Hi. I need to. Dye my high point uh, high point of the show for me was Eldon Talley, um, who is a, a, a really cool knife maker, lives in near Salt Lake. Um, he's got a Bally song design called, the, I think it's the Tally song. If it's not, mm-hmm. it should be, but I'm pretty sure it is with Blade HQ. It is. He, that's what it's called. Yeah. Okay. He was rocking a lime green, like Adidas tracksuit. <laughs> I saw it, that. And he's like so mellow. Like I would never have like pegged him for that, but man, I loved it. And he's also, like, he's a tall dude. Yeah. Like, you know, he's got like kind of a, some kind of, like, I don't know, like a kind of a oldish, like, I don't know what they're called. Cause it's not a fedora. It's a flat brimmed. Yeah. Like, like, uh, like a, like a, like a, what well, you'd see it at a horse race. Yeah. Something yeah, like that. Yeah. It was good, man. Yeah. <laughs> signature look. Yeah. So if anyone has any recommendations for what I should do for a signature look, <laughs> I will definitely be checking out the comments, but, uh, yeah. What else, man, so, man? What, what else did we see that was, that was different? It wasn't as hot as it was a lot of years, which oh, is man, a peripheral that's the truth. thing, but yeah. it was only like 80 degrees and the humidity was bearable at that point. Yeah. But, that was pretty wild. Um, any, any like new brands or anything that you saw that were. So I wouldn't, I'd have to think about it. I think there was new brands that I interacted with a fair bit. But none that, not necessarily any that I didn't already know about, but I think what I mostly saw at this show was the growth and the eruption of success for certain brands that I've watched for years. Yeah. It seemed like a, there's like a steep upward curve for like a handful of people that I've known for a while. And it's just kind of like soaking it in at Blade Show. Cause like I said, it's been a few years since I've been there. And so you, you kind of get an idea from talking to them and their presence at the show and how many people are noticing what they're doing, like that they, they're making moves, you know, they're, they're moving yeah. up in the world. Um, and one of those people is, uh, like tactile turn. His name's Will Hodges. He makes yeah. pens. I've had one of his pens for a long time and he's making knives now. Tactile knife company. We've actually, we've got a, a pen project coming up. Burnley brand has a pen project. Yeah. And, and I love the guy. He's one of the nicest guys in the industry. I, I've known him for years. Um, and I just, I could just tell at the show, like he's doing work, man. He's, he's coming yeah. up. He's doing, cause his position in the knife industry is new. Cause it's mostly been pens, even though right. he's been appearing at Blade Show. But the knife thing to hit for what he's working on, like, is is impressive. He's an impressive super super cool knife too. Like, very simple design, super mm. super high precision. You and can quality. just see, yeah, the quality yeah, materials. Made. Yeah, you can see like where their head is at mm. from a production standpoint. Um, yeah, yeah and that a, was really cool. Another thing was, uh, I don't know, I don't know these. Uh, 
this kind of corner of the industry very well, but in the OTF world, like uh, uh, Heretic Knives won manufacturing mm-hmm. quality. Oh, wow. Which, uh, which is kind of like earth shattering because it's been, I believe the last like 12, 14 years, it's been for like 10 years straight, it was Chris Reeve. Right. And then it was like Lion Steel and maybe another yeah. Italian brand. And then it would bounce back to Chris Reeve. So it was yeah. kind of like a Lion Steel Chris Reeve, but they were all revolving around like frame lock type knives. Right. And then all of a sudden an OTF company wins it and they're a young company. And so that was that was a huge takeaway I had was like, whoa, that's yeah. that's remarkable. You know, another one. Okay, so going into this, I think you and I might have kind of a similar process. What I like to do in a big room like that like we talked about the tempo, right? Mm-hmm. You walk in and you <laughs> like, if you're feeling grounded and present, like you can tell where there's like ripples in the room. Yeah, exactly. Like you look around and you see like a huge pile of people at a table. You hear noise off to the left. Like for me, those are always the things where I'm like, Oh, what what is that? Like, I want to mm-hmm. go look at it. And so mm-hmm. you can kind of, you can kind of like move through the room without even paying attention and just kind of like experiencing like popularity or like commerce happening. It's it's almost like, look, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's almost like looking at someone's follower count on Instagram, but in real life, but in, but in in real life. life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the forged kind of section of the industry, which this is really weird. I like, I almost segregate the two like stock removal and forge. And it's, it's a really old school mentality um, that I think has very little value for me. Like I look at it, if you're making knives, like you're making knives, how you make them is, is that's how you want to do it. I want to be able to kind of like interact with all of it, but like people have their opinions, right? Mm-hmm. That said, the forge section of the industry, man, is pumping. Mm-hmm. like people there is like there is just a crazy amount of support the work that's coming out of it is amazing which it always has been but i'm seeing younger and younger smiths i think uh i was talking with nick rossi um which just as a as a quick shout out nick got his master smith stamp nice at this show um which is amazing so if he happens to hear this congratulations man that's we're happy for yeah. you um, but yeah, like, I think he said there was something like 36 journeyman Smith's applicants. Wow. I mean, that is like, that's big numbers. And, and here's a, here, here's another way of looking at blade show for people that haven't been there or that have not experienced much of it. This is interesting that there's almost in the, in the past, like two spheres of blade show, maybe more, but two main yeah, spheres, like you primary. said, with like the forging guys and like the whatever you want to call it, uh, more manufacturer slash sure, stock removal. Yeah. Stock removal, I guess yeah. you could say. But the interesting thing is like, in some ways it's like two different shows Yeah. because the way, it, what made me realize that is for a lot of years, I would split a hotel room, um, or a couple hotel rooms with some of my friends that came down from Springfield, Missouri. So like, uh, quick name drop brute force blade works, which is, uh, a good friend of mine and, uh, Chris Costa and his wife, and sometimes even Kyle Royer, I would, I would stay with. And so these guys are all in the forging side in terms of their interest. And as soon as we'd break up and go to the show, they would go to that side and they would go and have dinner with those guys, go to those events, go to the, the judging for the master Smith, you know, and, and journeyman Smith and all those, and, and like attend all of these parts of that sphere. And I would go the other way and I would, you know, go to the award banquet for the blade show awards, go talk to, you know, the CRKT guys and all this. And we'd meet back at the hotel room in the evening and it was as if we went to different shows. Yeah, totally. And it's in the same room. In the same room, separate, you know, there's a wall, there's a different banquet hall. Yeah. The same kind of events, just totally separated. Um, one that was fun that you and I went to this year was the ACTI fundraiser. Mm-hmm. So ACTI stands for the American Knife and Tool Institute. They basically mm-hmm. work on legislation for like knife rights, knife laws. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right to carry automatic stuff like that. I've worked with them in the past. I've, you know, given stuff to auctions, had really fun nights with collectors in the, in the blade show event. Um, so yeah, that's like a prime example. Like we're, we're kind of in an industry dinner. And then while that's happening, there's a blade HQ or a, a, a bladesmithing 
blank banquet happening. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it it but it just kind of illustrates the 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 breadth of the knife industry. Yeah. And I, I think I agree with you in some ways it's already happening, but I would like to see even more, uh, like intermingling between intermingling. the two kind of disciplines. Uh, I think because I think we're starting to see it. Yeah. One it's generational shift. So the ABS is bringing like younger and younger people are kind of like joining, which is rad. And, and, and ABS, by the way, that's the forge side. That's American, yeah, Blade, American Blade Blade society. Yeah, yeah. American bladesmith society. I am a member of the American Bladesmith Society. Nice. Um, one of these days I would really like to test for my, you know, my journeyman stamp. Like I love organizations. I love groups that, that provide support for the industry. Um, so like, maybe that's a good example. Like I'm a stock removal knife maker. I was in the tactical side. I do CNC, like, like modern stuff. But like for me, forging is a wonderful, wonderful way to like see knives differently and experience mm-hmm. like making yeah. in a different way. I think you're going to start to see more of those. Like, yeah. When I see makers blend. One of the most common questions when I tell people I'm a knife maker, like just out in public in a, you know, general non knife industry way, I'll, I'll say, yeah, I'm a knife maker. And they'll say like, Oh, so you, so you forge knives, you make Damascus. Like that's immediately what I think most people who think of knife making, that's how they're, that's where they go when they hear it, especially right. with like the success of forged in fire the show and so i used to say like like wizards or racks it's like it's either you're either making like a deer handled hunting knife like you know antler or you're wearing like tights to a ren fair like for a long time that's just like where people's brains went yeah yeah and so it more overlap in a weird way makes you more relatable possibly to like the average person and what they know about knife making because they just picture like an anvil and a hot piece of steel um and so yeah that's that's an interesting dynamic that I think it'd be cool to watch over the coming years. How yeah, it's good. You know, um, together. Michael Birch has been doing some really cool, like he's, you know, he makes modern pocket knives like, like I do, you know, um, but he built his own press. He's been like, you know, building Damascus in his shop. Yeah. And I think that at a point for most of us, like there's something that there's some interest that you can, or like need that you can satisfy by like mm-hmm. switching up the type of your work. So like, yeah. I would say there's, there's a challenge I would lay, like, if you're forging, like, you know, and you have interest, like start learning a CAD program or like messing yeah. with 3d printers. If you're only stock removal, like go a little forge and start like, yeah. see what it's like to move metal yeah. without removing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that hundred percent. It's, it's a, uh, it is, I think, uh, a good time for things to start to mix in the, in that regard. Yeah. And it would, it would be pretty cool to see. I, I can only imagine what, if a maker were to come in and get really, really proficient in both spheres and do them both at the same time, yeah. and maybe even in the same knife, what that would look like. I can say, I don't know if I've seen that quite in a like total 50, 50 split. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think those guys are out there. Um, they have to be, I'm not as familiar with the, Mm -hmm. like the bladesmith world Mm -hmm. as I am with like the stock removal world, but I'm Mm kind of trying to pay attention, but I know there's people that have CNCs or like using different, you know, techniques or more modern practices, Yeah, uh, whether it's water jet or whatever. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this question. All right. Talking about blade show. What is like the most memorable blade show you've had or like a memorable moment at a blade show? quintessential blade show i have never gone to blade show banquets Mm. um that was something that i just always had something else to do and i'm a younger maker a lot of that is like kind of that that guild era knife maker um it's in tradition and unless you're brought into traditions like that you usually don't necessarily think to join of your own accord um a few i think it was actually it might have been 2019 actually um somebody told me like hey you need to go to the banquet tonight mm-hmm. and i was like okay like trusted and i was like okay cool didn't know why um then they gave me an industry achievement award that's awesome um yeah super humbling and like it was just so out of like the normal context for me like in general, I'm not like an award-winning knife maker, 
um, interesting to win something, you know, for, it was basically around the work around like, um, toys for tots. Sci-pop yeah. For tots. And something bigger, bigger than knives is what it yeah, is. Yeah. And it was a really interesting feeling to be like, I guess <laughs> like not to get super heady, but there was this weird feeling of like, Oh, like I'm, I'm valuable past like just my work. Right. Yeah. Which it I, was just strange. I have to, I have to congratulate you and, uh, tell you that i'm i've always been really impressed too with that toys for tots program that you've put on and among other things you've done so it's i think Thanks, everyone man. in the industry noticed that and, it was wild and, yeah, it was it, just surreal kind of yeah. um and and like full transparency we're not doing the project anymore um that's actually probably a good podcast to do at some point which is like okay. scaling flawed systems okay all right it's an interesting one um yeah. what about for you most memorable blade Ah, it's got to be 2015 Blade Show. Um, so 2015 Blade Show, this was early, early on. This was the first place, the first time that I met the the big wigs at CRKT and sat down. And that was when uh, my first design for them, the Caligo, was selected out of my sketchbook. So Doug Flagg, he's like, I'm flipping through my, my book, showing him like a bunch of sketches and, and projects I've been working on. And he stops me and he says, that one. And that was the Caligo. And that was day one of my relationship with CRKT. Uh, so that that obviously makes that show kind of a profound memory for me. But the other one, uh, the other thing that happened at that show was uh, there was the Zeneda, which is like a, a, a knife that is taken apart without any tools, mainly uses dovetails to work. And I designed this knife for Koenig Knives. And... It won uh, most innovative American design at the banquet that that uh, that year, and so that I remember to at, at the time for me, like I've become more familiar and comfortable in the industry to where like I, I feel like I can talk to a lot of people at like eye level. But right. at, in 2015, if I was sitting next to like a Ken Onion or you or something, I was like pretty nervous, right? It was like right. these are the big boys. Like I, I, I didn't, I like I really looked up to like almost everybody, you know. And I felt like no one knew who I was. And winning like that award, it, I just I remember like blacking out. Like I just, I didn't know what was gonna. And I like said a few words, and it was like complete lack of control. Like I didn't say anything bad. Like I just, it was kind of like really generic. Is what Une- I, ended, yeah, I ended up saying. Unexpected. Yeah, man, that just goes to sh- that knife was. I don't want to say it was ahead of its time, but it was definitely ahead of your time. Like there's no reason why you like why you should have designed that at the time you did capability wise. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Design is so rad. It was, yeah, it was a very, it was a very funny thing. And it, looking back it like, it really was formative and it, it was a major cementing moment of like, right. this is what I'm doing. This is, yeah. it was validating. And, uh, and I almost didn't get to get into the banquet because there weren't like I didn't have a, a, an actual pass into the into the award ceremony, <laughs> and uh, and Koenig they didn't have they only got so many passes for their booth or something like that, and so I was like I got to figure out another pass, and so I go to to Benchmade, and I had some friends at Benchmade early on, and, I, and I'm talking to a couple guys, and they ended up like scraping one up for me, and they yeah. didn't even know necessarily that I was in for an award with my design. They it just were like, Oh, he go. wants to go, you know, sit in there. And then I won it. And they came up to me after and they're like, I didn't know you were even like, I didn't know you were going to win an award. And like, but they were generous enough to like get me into the show or into the banquet. So it was, it was pretty funny. It's pretty good, man. Yeah. It's funny when you ask that question, like there's just a lot of memories out. I also thought about like the first design with CRKT because it's like, as a designer, like the moment where you get your first project or the first few projects with a company, it is, it's big. Yeah. I always related it to like, it's like getting picked up by like a major league Mm -hmm. team. Yeah. And it, it, I think one thing uh, that's good for us to do is to discipline ourselves to like consider the magnitude of that, because I think it's, it's, it's super easy to get comfortable with it. Right. But like sometimes I think about it and I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like that is as a an honor for me. Like it feels like a blessing in my life. You know, it feels yeah, like uh, like I'm lucky to have it. You know what I mean? I genuinely yeah. feel that way. And and it's easy to. I've had times where like that kind of gets away from me for a period of time where it it you normalize it just like with it become, anything. In it, life. Like you just it rolls into work. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But that's no, true of most things, though, right? Yeah, like, yeah. 
stepping back, being grateful, like looking at it for what it is or what, yeah, like what you've accomplished, like how far you've come. Like, I think as makers, like those things can actually be very difficult. Um, brings up another value of shows more on the table holder side than on the, on like the, uh, I don't know. What were we, were we, were we striders? Like, what are we doing running around the show? Like we were roaming? Uh, non-exhibiting manufacturers. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting <laughs> one. So, uh, but the idea of like work in a vacuum and work online, um, it's really nice to be able to have a person look at your work in person. Yeah. Um, it's different because comments online are one thing, likes on a post are one thing, but you can see when someone connects with your work, when they pick it mm -hmm. up. Um, and when you're used to like being super hard on your work and like probably a lot of knife makers have like a high level of like either OCD or like perfectionism or, you know, some level of kind of unrealistic expectation of their work. Mm -hmm. It's nice to have some outside perspective. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree completely. And, and just handling all this, the spectrum of knives <laughs> and just seeing like an inspiration, um, of not just like from a quality standpoint, from like artistic representation standpoint of like yeah. the importance of seeing what, just how people think, you know, like when yeah. you pick up a knife, you just, you just, it just adds clarity as opposed to just like looking at a picture on Instagram. Yeah. Well, it's three dimensional, um, you know, mm -hmm. it's I'm trying to think if there's any other like big takeaways for me. Um, I, I think that's like, okay. Tell me this, uh, who I, I was talking about, uh, tactile turn and yep. will hodges can you yep. can you pick out a name that like really impressed you i'm bad with names in general i yeah. already threw squid industries yeah. into yeah. the mix um yeah man not not from a not from a company standpoint i mean there's lots of people that i'm impressed with it's like you know i finally got to see gavin hawks it's the deadlock, right? OTF. Yeah. The OTF, like, you know, there's stuff like that where it hits and it's individual, but from the standpoint of just being like, like who did it well, I don't know, not, not specific names. No. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. a general feeling. I guess in, yeah. in playing the, the game of knife, I did notice something, um, which was the, first people in the line on Wednesday night camped out were for, uh, I think it's dark timber forge, hmm. um, to have customers that are willing to do that really is saying something I think mm -hmm. about your brand and yeah. the way that you're interacting with your community. Yeah. Um, so props, if mm -hmm. I do it next year, I want like some of that frontline space. We're going to stagger it out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And and another guy that, that I like talking to that I met for the first time is uh, Taylor. I'm going to forget his last name. Best Damn EDC, the YouTuber. Oh, um, man. I really enjoyed talking with yeah. him also. Super yeah. nice guy. Yeah, nice guy. I, I, I had uh, heard the name and seen the pho photography, but I watched some of his videos yeah. and that was cool to see that. And the other thing, this is, this is another name drop. Uh, ben Peterson with NAFS. He just, he just took the big plunge. He's been in the knife industry for a long time. A lot of people know the name. They've seen him around. But he just took the big plunge of doing this full time. And It's a big as, and, I mean, he's got kids. Yes, yeah, big supporting a, a family. Yeah, yeah and, supporting a family, leaving a job, yeah. a good job to do this. And I this. saw him at the show, and he had his wife there, and he's got a booth for the first time. And I told him, I was like, I'm, I'm living vicariously through what you're doing. Because it's like there's nothing more powerful than like that big plunge kind of moment of like the high high, the low low, yeah. and like how they're back to back. Even if there's nothing that goes wrong at all, you still have when you take a plunge like that, this like on off switch of like excitement and like fear. Yeah. And like I, I didn't, I wouldn't say he ever looked fearful when I talked to him, but you know, you can just tell like he's on the ride of his life right now. And yeah. I just, I really enjoyed talking to him and like just giving him some support and. I think everybody should support that guy. He's a cool guy. Yeah, super good dude. I mean, I've known, I met him first at CRKT. Mm -hmm. That would have been in like 2014. Like we were shooting photos in Vegas and like mm -hmm. different, different life essentially. Yeah. 
Um, it was really fun being on the other side of the table. I just remember like walking up to the booth and being like, this is cool. Like, nice to see. Um, I I got one that I'll throw out to you, which is you're, you're tired. I'm tired. We get home. Like, you know, it takes a couple days to recuperate. Um, something that's not talked about in the industry a lot, like self-care, man. Mm -hmm. Um, shows, shows are draining. I think for even for like the most outgoing kind of extroverted makers, it's, it's a lot. It's a, it's, if it's not mentally, it's on your system. I mean, you're away from home, your diet's off. Like you're probably, if you drink at all, you're drinking more. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, like if you smoke cigars, like you're probably smoking five cigars in the same mm-hmm. time you would one. Like it just, it's a system hit. I always go in early. So I, for every show I do, I like to go in on Wednesday um, and just kind of acclimate, man. Take a little bit of time mm-hmm. for myself. Um, mm-hmm. Enjoy the ability to like go there and, and realize like, oh, this is cool. I'm you're at not immediately thrown into the fire. Yeah, you're not going in. And the same is true on the backside. We actually, yeah. it was really fun. Like uh, you and I both had like late f- flights. Um, we went out, like hung out with... Um, Joe Mandifico and his girlfriend, mm-hmm. Maddie, and then we had a great breakfast and then like went to the hotel and like hung out in the hot tub and went for a sauna. Yeah. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's a pretty flight. Like I look at that yeah. stuff. I mean, shows, shows it's easy just to kind of like get caught up in the flow mm-hmm. and not take care of yourself. And when it costs one thing I told, you on the back end. Yeah. I told my wife about it. I was like, I felt great all weekend. And I yeah. mean, we both stayed up till wee hours of the morning and we know yeah. we weren't getting enough sleep, but I was like cruising. I was like feeling good, having a good time. And then on the way back, like even getting in the Uber when like I'm coming off the, the, the peak of like this exciting weekend and I'm in the Uber headed to the airport and then like on the plane, it really like, it was like a ton of bricks. And I was like, I didn't sleep enough. I'm yeah. like getting nauseous. I'm getting like this, sh- like shaking. And I'm like, do I drink coffee or what? And like, right. it's like, do I, do I let myself sleep or I, yeah. And, and like you said, it's like, it's important the the self care thing. But at the, on yeah. the other hand, my battle coming away from it is like an intellectual question of like, I have uh, built my brand with networking, talking to like, uh, you know, just industry guys. And you can't really do that super well during the show because everyone's right. selling knives. You know, they're talking to customers or they're in meetings and boardrooms. And so after the show is when you get the best industry networking in, in a lot right. of ways, but during the day, that's when you get the best customer f- focused networking done. And so I'm like, if I want to do both next year, <laughs> it's like, I need to uh, like condition myself to not have to sleep. No, it, that kidding. was, that was what was interesting to me about this show. Uh, I felt like I had the bandwidth to do everything over the weekend. And Mm. I will make the argument that for something that was essentially leisure driven, like I'm going to go and visit my friends. I mean, we were together all weekend, man. We did a lot of work, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a lot. Like there we're going from early morning, whether it's having breakfast and, and talking work with somebody to like late dinners to then going and hanging out in the pit. I don't actually know how I've done it in years past, because if I had thrown my normal show mix in, man, it would have been, it would have been really difficult. So I think, I think with that comes just like kind of reasonable expectations, mm-hmm. like look at the show, figure out what the, what you want out of it, value for you and value for your, you know, mm-hmm. collectors or companies that yeah. you design for. And kind of have a try to be, have a reasonable expectation. Yeah, yeah, and then come back next year, do it all again. And come back and also, next year. Blade Show West, uh, Blade Show West in Salt Lake in October. That is definitely one I'm hitting because I can drive to it. And so are, you gonna, are you are you going to have are you going to have a table? I'm fifty fifty right now because I got to get some knives built. Um, we'll see. It's going to be close. Cool thing but... about that. Cool thing about that list strategy right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. New show. Yeah. It's not Blanche Atlanta. It's not going to be as big. It's probably not going to have the attendance. What it is, mm-hmm. is, is a really, really good location. Um, it's right next to blade HQ. So for you, you tie that in, you go visit those guys. Mm-hmm. You're in the mix first year. You could take like 15 to 20 knives. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And it preps you for a little bit of what to expect if you want to do blade show. Yeah. Let's yeah, you get your your brain into booth design. Let's do you want a booth or a table? Like yeah. Oh, it's I'll say this. It's a smart move. It's it's something it's what I should do. Uh mm. the question right now looking for it is can I do it? So that's that's mainly because right. I've got another CNC coming and I need to get it commissioned and, and operational. Right. And then that is when my I'll finally be able to kind of have all the cylinders firing of what I'm trying to do. But it, is that enough time between then including like heat treat and all the different things that happen? Sure. Is there enough time? That's that I'm like, I'm calculating that. Um, so maybe we'll see. Well, and this is, this is not a, a like a zero sum game. Right. And that's mm-hmm. what we realized with this blade, like coming into it, <clears throat> I realized like I didn't have the bandwidth to do the show. Um, and again, I have high expectations for Blade Show, and I feel an obligation to like deliver a certain level of show experience when I do it. Normally, I just would be like, "Well, I'm not doing it. Like, I can't do the show." Mm-hmm. This like year, an all or nothing kind of thing. Like an yeah, it's a, I'm I fall into that category quite a bit, right? I'm trying to work in a different method, and this was a perfect example of like how it works, how you can still create value it's not all or nothing. So mm-hmm. like, maybe you decide like, this isn't the one yeah. I'm still going to check it out. Yeah. You know, you oh. still talk to Alicia, you still get a, yeah. you know, a, a spot for a table. I'll say this. I'll definitely be there because that's important. I think no matter what, you yeah. got to be there. The I think question... I'll probably, I think I'll probably go check it out too. It's yeah. a 12 hour drive for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, we'll have to turn it into a camping trip since you'll have to drive past me. Might so. have to turn it into a camping trip. That's a good idea. Yeah. All right. Um, what else, man? Any other any other shows that you're doing? Just kind of recap. Well, you know, I I think we covered it. I mean, I, I feel feel like we kind of gave for people that haven't been there a good feel for what it is about. And then if maybe somebody's trying to decide which direction to go when they're already exhibiting or whatever, then some information there. I. I think uh, now's the time to ask for any questions people might have, you know, like if you totally. guys play, put, put any comments down, like I'd love to get in the comment section in this YouTube video and answer any questions you have. If you want to know who scored the most goals in soccer, uh, <laughs> I'll try to remember that. And yeah. Oh if, man. If you want to know how many beers Lucas drank on Saturday night, I'll try to All remember that. No. <laughs> it was bad because, you know, you go to the Axie fundraiser and like you're just there. It's, mm-hmm. It's nice. We're sitting at a table with eight people. It's pretty common for someone to get up yeah. and bring you back a beer. Yeah, no, I, yeah. No, it was, that that Saturday said, night was hard. I'm not calling you out. I was, <laughs> we were right. We were neck and neck. Yeah. But, oh, but yeah, oh, if man. anyone has any questions, definitely shoot us our way. Even if it's not about blade show, if you have another proposal for the next episode, we've, we're just free flowing this. We've got a, we've got a lot of ideas, but we want to hear what you guys think. So. Sounds but, good, man. I, um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening guys. Yeah, thank you all. We'll uh we'll catch you in a in a short time. Thank you. See you later.